Hi, I'm Arlen Hamilton, and you're listening to Arlen's Academy, the podcast that teaches everything you need to know about launching a successful business or working at one, all in one place. Arlen's Academy is brought to you completely free by HireRunner.co. HireRunner is my new recruiting company that connects outstanding operations talent with inclusive startups. If you're looking for talent or you want to apply to be a runner, visit HireRunner.co. Remember, all of the material you're about to hear is accessible online at arlensacademy.com. If you're enjoying what you're learning and want to dig even deeper and learn more, visit the site now. Be sure to tell your friends. A single poor night of sleep can result in mood changes, worsening executive function, and memory impairment. Chronic sleep disturbances have been linked to increased risk for depression, bipolar disorder, and anxiety. A growing body of research has also uncovered a link between sleep disturbances and suicide. Additionally, sleep problems appear to be a risk factor for developing anxiety disorders. One study found that problems with sleep were a predictor for generalized anxiety disorder in children and teens between the ages of 9 and 16. Those who struggle with sleep problems may be more likely to develop an anxiety condition, particularly if their sleep problems are prolonged and left untreated. It's, it's a little frustrating. It's, it's a lot frustrating. You know, we talk about the need for food and the need for water and how the lack of both has horrific effects on us as entrepreneurs. But at the same time, there are millions of people saying, you know, team, we don't eat or, or, you know, hustlers don't hydrate, you know, but sleep is different. I see people, you know, like the quote we mentioned earlier, I've got dreams that are worth more than my sleep. Um, I saw one that said, you know, they call us dreamers, but we're the ones who don't sleep or hustlers don't sleep. We take naps. I see other entrepreneurs, other successful people preaching that their success comes from not sleeping rather than admitting or, or even rather than realizing that they are successful despite the fact that they're not sleeping, despite it. And so we walk around exhausted, irritated, depressed, and we, we sit down at our offices, we open our laptops, just completely exhausted, refusing to let ourselves recoup until we reach a certain benchmark, disregarding that sleep might have actually helped us reach that benchmark more efficiently. It is absolutely learned behavior. We learn it from our parents, like we said earlier, who for a lot of them, getting sleep or getting as much sleep as they wanted really wasn't an option. You know, my mom, she went to school during the day and at night she worked as a nurse and she still cooked our food. She cooked our school lunches, never let us get takeout, made our clothes, was extremely involved in our day-to-day lives. And this is how it is for a lot of us, for me as well as for you guys. You saw your parents push. You saw them not getting any sleep. You saw, for a lot of them, they were not afforded the opportunity to rest. They just, 
weren't allowed. I saw this beautiful quote by uh, Brown Girl Self-Care. And I, I wrote it down because I don't want to misquote, but it says, our ancestors weren't allowed to rest or make space for self-care. We honor them when we put ourselves first. We honor them when we willfully slow down. We honor them when we refuse to work ourselves to death to benefit a system created to rise on our labor. That says it all right there. So perhaps this is a little unorthodox, but if you're watching this right now and you're sleepy right now, you're nodding off right now, and if you have the opportunity and all you needed was a reason, I'm giving you a reason right now. I'm giving you permission to get some shut eye. I don't know what time it is where you're watching this, but take a power nap, give yourself 30 minutes, maybe, you know, depending on what time it is, go to bed, get your eight hours and come back refreshed, ready to hear the rest of this presentation and ready to completely feast it. All right. Now, if you're still here, that means you're rested. So we're going to talk a little bit about the other elephant in the room, and that's exercise. No shade to this man who's sitting on his couch looking at his tablet. I just needed a good stock image and this was available, so here we are. But exercise. Usually, when we talk about exercise, we're talking about it in reference to physical health, like, you know, high blood pressure, you know, different health conditions that can be improved with a good exercise regimen. Um, more often, we talk about it in reference to physical look, like I want more defined abs, I want less cellulite, whatever have you. I'm not talking about any of that. None of that. What I'm talking about is the immediate benefits, the immediate mental health benefits that you get from a workout. We're not talking about down the line. If you work out, you'll look like this. I'm talking about in 15 minutes, what exercise can do for your mental health. Take a look at this right here. Studies show that exercise can treat mild to moderate depression as effectively as antidepressant medication, but without the side effects. As one example, a recent study done by the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health found that running for 15 minutes a day or walking for an hour reduced the risk of major depression by 26%. You know me, I got to grab my pointer. By 26%. In addition to relieving depression symptoms, research also shows that maintaining an exercise schedule can prevent you from relapsing. Exercise is a powerful depression fighter for several reasons. Most importantly, it promotes all kinds of changes in the brain, including neural growth, reduced inflammation, and new activity patterns that promote feelings of calm and well-being. It also releases endorphins, which are powerful chemicals in your brain that energize your spirits and make you feel good. Guys, what I'm saying is this is not a game. This is not a game. At 57 Northampton, we teach a class. We call it the workout class. It's a physical workout, just like any other workout, but it's where the mind, the mental health takes center stage. We're basically working out for 20 to 30 minutes, focusing purely on the mental health benefits that you get, mainly that runner's high that you get when you get your heart rate up for 15 minutes or, or longer. We take surveys before and after the class, and the results are consistent across the board. 100% of the people that participate in these surveys report back that they feel increased feelings of well-being, 
more satisfaction with their lives, less critical of themselves, less angry, less lonely. It, it's, it's not a game. Getting your heart rate up and doing it regularly, once again, can decrease the risk of depression by 26%. I mean, that's, that's so, that's amazing to me. But when we work, and when work is our number one priority, physical activity is one of the first things that's going to suffer because, you know, we talk about food, we talk about water, we talk about sleep. Eventually, you're going to have to eat. Eventually, you're going to have to have a glass of something, you know? And as much as we hate it, as much as we want to fight sleep like toddlers, we're going to fall asleep at our desk, if nothing else. But if you don't actively prioritize exercise, it's just not going to happen. And it's unfortunate because it's something that can be extremely powerful and extremely effective for entrepreneurs, but it's, it's very much underutilized. And you know what else is completely underutilized? Talking about segways. Fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> There's research in a growing field called ecotherapy. And it's shown that there's a very strong connection between time spent in nature and reduced stress, anxiety, and depression. In a 2015 study, researchers compared the brain activity of healthy people after they walked for 90 minutes in either a natural setting or an urban one. They found that those who did a nature walk had lower activity in the prefrontal cortex a brain region that is active during rumination, which is defined as repetitive thoughts that focus on negative emotions. Calming nature sounds and even outdoor silence can lower blood pressure and levels of the stress hormone cortisol, which calms the body's fight-or-flight response. This 2015 study investigated the impact of nature experience on effect and cognition. We randomly assigned 60 participants to a 50-minute walk in either a natural or an urban environment in and around Stanford, California. Before and after their walk, participants completed a series of psychological assessments of effective and cognitive functioning. Compared to the urban walk, the nature walk resulted in effective benefits like decreased anxiety, rumination, and negative effect and, preserve, and preservation of positive effect, as well as Cognitive benefits, increased working memory performance. Now, I know a lot of us live in the city, so this next part of the study might be of some interest to you. In collaboration with audiovisual artist Mark Ware, the team at BSMS conducted an experiment where participants listened to sounds recorded from natural and artificial environments. While their brain activity was measured in an MRI scanner, and their autonomic nervous system activity was monitored via minute changes in heart rate. The team found that activity of the default mode network of the brain, which is a, collect a collection of areas which are active when we're resting, was different depending on the sounds playing in the background. When listening to natural sound, the brain connectivity reflected an outward-directed focus of attention. When listening to artificial sounds, however, the brain connectivity reflected an inward-directed focus of attention, similar to states observed in anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and depression. There was also an increase in rest-digest nervous system activity, 
associated with relaxation of the body when listening to natural compared with artificial sounds and better performance in an external attentional monitoring test. Interestingly, the amount of change in nervous system activity was dependent on the participant's baseline state. Individuals who showed evidence of the greatest stress before starting the experiment showed the greatest bodily relaxation when listening to natural sounds, while those who were already relaxed in the brain scanner environment showed a slight increase in stress when listening to natural compared with artificial sound. So not only is being in nature beneficial and, and has positive effects, but just listening to sounds of nature has extremely powerful positive effects on our mental health. I found this beautiful statement that summed it up quite nicely, better than I could. And it, 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 it said this, it's not surprising that nature has a therapeutic effect when you consider that the human race and our evolutionary forebears have been closely bonded with it for all our existence. It's only in recent times that many of us have been confined to man-made environments. For us, contact with green spaces is therefore like going back home and it fills us with the same sense of safety and belonging. We crave nature the same way that a child needs a mother and derive the same feeling of comfort from it. That's beautiful. Just beautiful. Unfortunately, the reality is, is this. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, the average American spends 93% of their life indoors. 87% of their life is indoors, and then the other 6% of their life is in automobiles. That's only 7% of your entire life outdoors. That's only one half of one day per week outdoors, in case you needed more of an understanding of what that is. Our hyper-focus on that sliver of entrepreneurship, like we talked about earlier, is also killing our social life. And that lack of social interaction, or rather that lack of meaningful social interaction, is having more of a damaging effect on us than I think a lot of us even realize. Let's take a look at this here. The Harvard Women's Health Watch reported, dozens of studies have shown that people who have satisfying relationships with family, friends, and their community are happier, have fewer health problems, and live longer. In a study of 7,000 men and women in Alameda County, California, begun in 1965, Lisa F. Berkman, excuse me, and S. Leonard Semi found that people who were disconnected from others were roughly three times more likely to die during the nine-year study than people with strong social ties. Wow. This major difference in survival occurred regardless of people's age, gender, health practices, or physical health status. In fact, the researchers found that those with close social ties and unhealthful lifestyle, we're talking about smoking, obesity, lack of exercise, they actually lived longer than those with poor social ties but more healthful habits. Additionally, people who are chronically lacking in social contacts are more likely to experience elevated levels of stress and inflammation. These, in turn, can undermine the well-being of nearly every bodily system, including the brain. 
In a 2010 report in the Journal of Health and Social Behavior, Deborah Umberson and Jennifer Carras-Montez, sociology researchers at the University of Texas at Austin, cited consistent and compelling evidence linking a low quantity or quality of social ties with a host of conditions, including the development and worsening of cardiovascular disease, repeat heart attacks, autoimmune disorders, high blood pressure, cancer, and slow wound healing of all things. And now this is the part that if you haven't been paying attention to, I really, really want you to pay attention because this next part has to do with our mental and emotional health. It says right here, grabbing my pointer, right here is where we are. The emotional support provided by social connections helps to reduce the damaging effects of stress and can foster a sense of meaning and purpose in life. Emma Sapala of the Stanford Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education and also author of the 2016 book, The Happiness Track, wrote, people who feel more connected to others have lower levels of anxiety and depression. Moreover, studies show that they also have greater self-esteem or higher self-esteem, greater empathy for others, are more trusting and cooperative, and as a consequence, others are more open to trusting and cooperating with them. In other words, Social connectedness generates a positive feedback loop of social, emotional, and physical well-being. Basically, being around other people makes you feel better and seems to actually make you a better person. But unfortunately, as entrepreneurs, especially depending on where you are in your entrepreneurial journey or the industry that you're in, you're going to be spending a lot of time alone. A lot of time alone. Singer, songwriter, Imogene Heap, she wrote this. She said, I get so fed up with making an album and with it taking over my life. It's all I can think about or talk about. You find yourself in a rut, lacking inspiration, and it's hard to get out of that because I'm working alone in a studio. Alexa Von Tobel, she's the founder and CEO of LearnVest.com. She said, it's, very, it's a very hard, lonely endeavor to dream about something that's not even built yet. And then go out and build it against all odds. That is so true. As entrepreneurs, we are, we're, we're different. You know, we're creating opportunities and systems and, and things that don't exist yet. So we don't really get to spend a lot of time with our friends. And we are still clocked in when they get to clock out. We have to continue to work to meet deadlines because if we missed a there's no one else who's going to get our work done for us. The buck stops with us. So we are really, really missing a lot. And it's, it's necessary a lot of the times in, in what we do. But if you go back once again to Maslow's hierarchy, I'm going to, you know, make this big screen for you. But take a look at where relationships fall. It's right here, which is still a deficiency need. Meaning that without it, our lives will be greatly and negatively impacted. And that's pretty much what this research is showing is that if we don't have that social interaction, we will be deficient. Some people actually die. And so if we can't figure out how to work in some meaningful relationships, some meaningful interactions with others, our work and ourselves, we will suffer. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, 
You can check out more at arlensacademy.com. And don't forget, this entire show is brought to you completely free by my company, Hire Runner. To find outstanding talent for your startup, visit hirerunner.co. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.